Well, let's get into today's word, John chapter 9. John chapter 9. Jesus is just, uh, as we look at our notes, we must remember the words of Jesus when reading this passage. Jesus said he was and is the light of the world. Amen? John said he was in John chapter 1. Now Jesus says he is also here in John chapter 9. Now the holy light is encountering an earthly sinner. we got a blind man from birth. And uh, this, this passage is full of a lot of things we say today. Uh, you ever get somebody who says, somebody sees something really spectacular or something really scary, and they'll use a Hindu term, they'll say something like this, holy cow. Anybody ever say holy cow? That's a Hindu term, Middle Eastern religion. Or holy mackerel or holy anything else. There is none holy but God. And let me encourage you, if that's crept into your conversation, get it out. Because what you're doing, you're doing the same thing those people who worship pagan worshiping you say the same thing they're saying. Love, let me encourage you, if you use the name of God, use his name in reverence when you speak about our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't use his name in a context like these Pharisees did today. Don't, don't come and blaspheme against the Holy Spirit of God by using his name in an irreverent way. When you speak the name of God, you should speak his name in a very reverent way to the point of being fearful that God would speak to me and God would judge me according to what I say about him. Because he is God. Amen? Let's look at his word today. As we look at this, keep this encounter. Now, I gave you a spoiler alert here. Spoiler alert, light. I said winds, but it won over darkness. And today, here's a spoiler alert. By the time we get to the end of the message, guess what? Light wins over darkness. If you've given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, people can come up and say, I know you when you were younger. Let me tell you all about you. And you say, that was then, but this is now. Right? I call it B.C., before Christ. So people can tell you stories. What happens is we don't look back. Where do we look? Present and forward. We're, we're, we're going somewhere with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord was moving as well. Jesus is very clear. We're learning this on Sunday mornings. We're learning this on Sunday evenings. Jesus said, I look to see where my father's at work, and what does he do? I join him. When God speaks, I move. When God speaks, I do. That's what Jesus said. He had submitted himself on this earth to God the Father. Well, what was he, who was he modeling for? If you're a Christian, you should kind of inside raise your hand and say, he was modeling for me. I should be looking where God's at work, and I should be joining God at work. Everywhere I look around, you can see God at work. God hasn't called all of us to be overseas today. But God has called us to be right here where we are right now. But our prayers might be overseas today. Our prayers and thoughts might be somewhere. And let me encourage you, you should be praying tomorrow's President's Day or George Washington's birthday. Now, we're, we live in a, there's a federal facility nearby. There's banks and there's schools. We know many will be closed tomorrow. But many kids, I, I never knew growing up, no one ever told me what President's Day was about. It was just another day out of school. But go back and research with your kids about President's Day, and we should be mindful, and I hope to do this. If I don't forget it in the service, Derek, remind me. I want to pray for our president and his team, and, and uh, whether you agree or disagree with the president, listen, every president, every governor, everybody that's in, uh, in our authority over us, the Bible commands us, not suggest, not if you like them, if you don't like them, the Bible commands us to pray for those in authority. And we will do that in the service day um, if I don't forget, Derek, that's your job. So make yourself a bit. He, Derek's great about taking notes, all right? So if, if I don't do it, would you do it for me? Let's look at the word today. John chapter 9, verse 1. I know you've read this, and if you went to Catalyst this morning, you've already read this, but there's some important things I want to extract out of this that I've learned so much about because it was questionable some of these things that happened. I'm like, how does this happen? And the more you study it, the more you go and 
get into the Word, you'll see some customs pop out. Chapter 9, verse 1. When you're there, say amen. All right, let's read together. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Let me ask you a question. Here's, here's where I first was troubled when I read this. I've read it many times, but I never studied it. How can you sin before you're born? They ask a question. These are, these are men who are logical men. Who They're, they're not um, stupid humans. They're, they're, they're very logical, very hardworking, very thinking men. But they ask a question. Who sinned? His parents, dad or mom, or the man sinned before he was born? So I'm like, how can a man sin? And, and I found out, obviously, as a side note, there was a hint of teaching in Judaism still today. If you look it up, uh, the Hebrew word is Gilgal. The, the, the intent that there's actually reincarnation. We typically talk about this, about Hindus or Buddhists believe this, but there's a sect of Judaism that actually taught the circle of life that continued. If kids have seen all the different things that are happening uh, in Disney, Disney constantly promotes this, promotes this, promotes this, the, the circle of life. And I'm going to show you something very clearly as we get into the notes. There's a scripture verse for that, as there is for everything. And then we'll see that together in the Word of God. But just know that when you read this going, wait a minute, how could he, how could he sin before he's born? They had this hint of this teaching potentially. Verse 3, Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is still day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground. Don't you like this, kids? Today's a family service today. Jesus spit right here. I loved the scripture when I was a kid, only because I liked to spit when I was a kid. When he said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, is not this he who sat and, was, and begged? Some said, this is he. And others said, he is like him. He said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, how were your eyes opened? He answered and said, a man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. Then they said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. I do not know. They brought him who was formerly was blind to the Pharisees, and now it was the Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he received his sight, and he said to me, He put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Therefore some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. Let me stop, stop right there just for a moment, because the story continues. We all know the story, we've read the story before, and we know back in chapter 5 we read of another man who was 38 years old who was crippled and wanted to get into the pool of Bethesda. Not the same pool, pool of Bethesda is in northeast Jerusalem, and this pool is in southeast Jerusalem. Many scholars and critics of ancient days would say this text is not true. The, the men who came through the, the, the middle centuries, the middle ages, would say, no, this is just a made-up story to make us feel good, to give supernatural power to Jesus and lo and behold, as we would have it today, um, the people of Jerusalem, the city planners were working on the sewer system in Jerusalem. And guess what they dug up whenever they come through a lower part of the southeast 
part of Jerusalem. They dug up the pool of Siloam. Isn't that amazing to think? And it's now, right now there's an orchard on top of half of it, and they're trying to negotiate if they can actually remove the orchard so they can actually finish excavating the, because um, it's called the orchard of the kings. So it's going to be a hard thing to move the dirt and the trees for them to get to the rest of the pool. But this pool, if you're looking at your Bible, might have a reference to it. You can look online. You can actually see the actual pool that John's talking about. The critics said it didn't exist. This was just made up. But aren't you glad that we have a God who kind of just kind of sticks their nose in it every once in a while? I mean, just he said it. We believe it. But he gives a, here's a little bit of proof just for the critics. So all the people who stood up and said, oh, yeah, well, I was wrong. And what do people do today in our culture? Oh, oh he was just wrong about that one thing. And then we go right back into false news, do we not? Thought about this story, how the, I, the guy, the my pillow guy is what I'll call him, how he said he was going to parachute. Did y'all see that article? He just told the left new media that I, I'm gonna, I can't get my trucks to the truckers in Canada. I'm going to parachute. I'm going to fly over with a helicopter and drop my pillows out with little bitty parachutes. Make sure you put that in there. We're dropping them with parachutes. And the left liberal media published that today, um, this past week. That he was going to fly over. They even called the Canadian government and said, are you going to let him fly over the space and drop pillows to the truckers? I thought about the same information, how silly it is, because it was a current news story tied to this. That the critics said, listen, this pool doesn't exist. It was just made up. Now, his story was made up. This story was not. Look at your notes for a second, because I want to go, go twins on your story today. God moved Jesus from a religious fight scene, that's what's back in chapter 8, with the spiritually blind Pharisees to a divine appointment with a physically blind man. Why a divine appointment? Every time there's good versus evil, that's when divine appointments occur. Do you see that? Because everybody wants a divine appointment. Hey, pray that I have a divine appointment with my neighbor. What are you really asking? You're asking, hey, Lord, I'm going to go speak something spiritual to my neighbor. I'm going to go speak something spiritual to my friends, my family members, and they have a resistance to the gospel. Did you know that? That's a natural response for every man, woman, boy, and girl is when you say, listen, Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And people say, yeah, but what about all these people? And we point to all these people and those people, right? We want to make an excuse. Why? Because we're fearful if we receive Jesus Christ and his goodness and everything that comes with him that we have to give up our sin. And mankind loves his or her sin. Amen? Did anybody ever have fun doing a sinful thing? Raise your hand so the kids can see. Now, kids, raise your hand because you're in that as well, right? Because sin is fun for a season. But the Bible is very clear. Be careful. Your sin will find you out. And listen, your sin is going to embarrass you. You do it privately, it's going to get you publicly. You think you're getting away with it now, and God has a last say-so, just like this pool of Siloam that was dug up, but just like he healed this man. But Jesus left his spiritually blind Pharisees. They're fighting over that he was not the Messiah. He couldn't be. They called him uh, a liar. They called him and said he was demon-possessed. They called him a Samaritan. They did everything they possibly could do to be derogatory. This is the religious leaders of the day to be derogatory towards Jesus. The only point they couldn't resist was that there's a miracle that happened, the man standing in front of them, and so to give, they had two choices. This was actually a supernatural act. The man was born blind. Either Jesus did it by Satan's power or Jesus did it by God's power. Do you understand? So they acknowledged, even, even arguing against Jesus, they acknowledged that a miracle had happened. But they were so steeped in their unbelief that they would not believe. Do you know people like that today? They are just so hard-hearted. They absolutely don't matter what you say, no matter what the evidence proves out. They know best. They know better than God. 
I don't believe there's a God. I don't believe this is, I don't believe in miracles. I don't believe all, fill in the blank. You can, you, have you had those conversations? If you hadn't, you should be. Uh, because we are, our job is to, hey, here's the deal. I'm going to put it out there for you, and you've got to do what you do with it, right? If the Lord draws you to himself, this man was drawn in because Jesus is passing by. And, and the disciples saw, he begged. The Bible says that he, his friends recognize him, his neighbors recognize him as the beggar who sits by whatever certain gate. That's the man that sits at the gate and begs. We've been giving him money since we were kids. Our mom and dad always told us, drop him a coin because his son, daughter, poor fellow was born blind. He never had a chance to see. He didn't go blind. He was born blind. So everybody that grew up with him knew he's a man of age. The Bible tells us that. He's, he's a man of his own age. He's age of accountability. He can answer for himself. So he's north of 20 years old. He can answer for himself. We'll see who gets drugged into the story. Watch this. And God's story always touches more than one person, just for the record. In your life, in my life, in this life, God never just isolates one person for one story. Now, he'll, the person might be involved in the story. He's going to get a bunch of other people, right? He's hooking us today. Look around. We're, we're broadcasting today. He, people are listening today because the message is going to go out because the Lord Jesus Christ, here's, a, here's another spoiler alert. He's still God. Amen? The disciples were puzzled. They asked, whose fault was it that the man was born blind? And that's when I put, there's a hint of strange believism here. Almost like a reincarnation. Is this his second life? Is this his third life? Is this his next life going around that he was born blind? He sinned in his previous life. Therefore, he did get a human body this time, but he's born blind. It, like I said, the word is Gilgal. If you look it up, it's a, it's a crazy, crazy idea. And it's getting more traction even today. There's rabbis that teach this today, but it was, it was not from the Bible. This is not a biblical teaching. Anywhere in the Bible will you find reincarnation. As a matter of fact, this is what you'll find. Take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, just so you can settle this in your heart. Was this possibly what happened, that he was rotating around? This is his next third or fourth or fifth life? The answer is, not a chance. Hebrews chapter 9, beginning of verse 24. When you're there, say amen. This is very important. If you mark your Bibles, please mark your Bibles at this place. This is a place you need to visit more than once. I want you to look at the cross behind me and answer this question as you look for this passage. How many times did the Lord Jesus Christ die? How many times must he die for the sins of the world? How many times must you be born again? Therefore, how many times can you be born? Once. You're not reincarnated. Let's watch and see what the Bible says. Verse 24. Are you there? Say amen. 924. For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are copies of true, but into the heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. For us. Verse 25. Not that he should offer himself often or again and again and again. And that's why we're, let me just put a caveat here. That's why we do the Lord's Supper. If you have a, a Catholic background or Episcopal background, they teach that every time that they actually have the have a communion, that the, the, you crucify and this is the Lord's body again. You break his body once again. You drink his blood. Physically, transubstantiation happens that it becomes his body. It becomes his blood. That is not the teaching of Scripture. He died once and for all. Amen? Once and for all. And today, that, that is symbolic. Because Jesus himself didn't break off a piece of his arm and say, take this and eat, right? He took the bread at supper and broke it and said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat. He took the cup. This is my, listen, this is my blood that was spilled for you. Take and drink. Get that in your head because it matters when you have conversations at work or with someone else because 
you cannot say that he's offered over and over and over again. If you say that or agree with that, you're going against what Scripture clearly teaches right here, once and for all. Verse 25, not that he should be offered himself often or over and over again, as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood of another. He then would have to had suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now once at the end of all the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. What did he do, church? He put away sin through his sacrifice on the cross. When he died on the cross, he took your sins and he took my sins with him if we only would believe. Put our faith and trust in him. Because we were blind, if we would just receive the sight of light in Jesus Christ, he took our sins away. And the sacrifice on himself, verse 27, and as it is appointed for man uh, to die once, but after this, what happens? What, after, what happens after you die? The Bible's clear as the judgment. There's not a reincarnation. There's not a redo. There's not another time around on this planet. There's not a few more orbits. After you die, the Bible's very clear. After death, there is the judgment of God. So Christ was offered once. Does this feel silly? Even little kids are in here today. I understand this, but adults, listen, sometimes you miss it because I, there are theologians who teach this. Can you show me one on your finger? How many times did he die? Once for all. It's forever. Once and done. And we, how many times must we receive him? It must be once, but it must be true, right? It must be once, that one time. You do have to believe. You can't just get it by coming to church. You can't just get it because mom or grandmother is very religious or a godly person. You must be born again. You must receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for what? Salvation. That's eternity forever and ever and ever more. That's a wonderful word, isn't it? Mark that in your, mark that in your Bible because this is true of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let's get to the next point in your notes. Jesus answered their questions directly. He knew the disciples had questions. And remember, if we go back to John, there's an argument over and over again. Every rabbi has his own teachings. So there's a convoluted teaching in the time, and they keep going back. Who did they argue was their father? Last week when we were reading through, they said, who was their father? Abraham's our father. We have Abraham as our father. They want to go back and say, that's who we're covenant people with. We go all the way back to Abraham. Well, Jews still do today because Abraham was their father. Muslims go back to Abraham as their father as well because he was their father. We as Christians go back to Abraham also. Why? Because he's our grafted in, if you will, we're grafted into his line, Father. We go back to Abraham because God made a promise to Abraham that the whole world, all the nations would, would actually look back and revere him as the father of their faith. But now, who's the proper father? Who was the son of uh, the chosen son? It was through the line of Isaac, it was Jesus Christ. That's where Jesus came through the line of Abraham. But you'll see today, these men are so bent on doing the wrong thing, so bent on being unbelievers that they call names to, y'all, this is God himself. If Emmanuel means God with us, these men are willing to call God himself liar, demon-possessed, Samaritan, any derogatory term, just to get their point across that they don't like him. They could easily say, I don't believe, and walked away. But they couldn't just say, I don't believe, and that's the way it is today. People can't just leave it alone. They can't say, I disagree with you Christians. What are they doing overseas? And we're not suffering much persecution. It's coming. But overseas in China and other places where Christians are, are just minding their business, worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ, 
Satan's not interested in just leaving them well alone. What's he doing? He's putting them to death. He's tearing down churches all around, all around the world. And people say, well, the poor church in China. Well, listen, they are poor, and they're being persecuted, but they're growing stronger and stronger. The church in America is getting lazier and lazier. We're turning our backs on the Lord Jesus Christ, Christ quicker than anything because you may have to give up my air condition, my nice house, if I name the name of Christ. These people will be put in prisons. Many of your shoes were made by Christians who were imprisoned by Chinese Christians. We were there, and we were staying in an apartment in China looking over this wall, and it's not a secure wall. The Chinese, are, the Chinese Christians are fixing all the vehicles of the Chinese government. We're watching them work, and I asked the missionary, I said, Look, what, how, this is a prison, they're opening the doors by themselves. They said, they don't like them because they're all Christians. They, know they, they don't like the prison gates because they know the Christians won't run away. The Christians are opening the main gate like you would in an industrial complex, opening it up, letting trucks in, and you see all the mechanic bays, and they're working on all the trucks. They're in prison right across the street. Right, you could actually look down into the prison where we were staying. Broke our hearts, obviously. The, God's still doing the work, but I mean, the freedom that we have to actually to visit and to preach the gospel and to see our brothers and sisters in prison, it, it's just amazing. Let's continue. Jesus was very loving to his disciples. He answered their questions directly and followed his teaching with a miracle. Every miracle, we've said this before, every miracle Jesus performed had a heavenly message. This miracle was to demonstrate God's supernatural work. What did he do? We know the story, right? Jesus made clay of saliva and dirt. He placed it on the blind man's eyes and instructed him to wash in the pool of Siloam. Listen, you learned this in Catalyst this morning, that there was belief that actually saliva heals blindness or would heal the eyes. And as even today, if you look on Google, if you do a search, you'll see that saliva or spit, spittle, actually People put it on their wounds to cover because there's all kind of chemicals in your saliva. There's healing components in your saliva. I can remember my grandmother, I don't have many memories, but I can remember my grandmother used to have sores on her legs, and she'd sit around and her dog, Twinkles, would lick her wounds. I used to watch it and go, ugh, that's the grossest thing I've ever seen. But uh, she would have those bruises and wounds, and, and there's dogs. How do dogs and animals, how do they heal from their wounds? They lick their wounds, right? We even talk about... When you take a beat down, right, what does a guy do or a woman do, I guess? If you lose, you go over in the corner and do what? You lick your wounds, right? That's even a saying in our culture. Oh, he's licking his wounds because he got beat. Or she's licking her wounds because she lost. So the power of saliva, obviously here, it was a belief in the time, of course, that there was healing powers. And even there's chemical, if you look at today, there's healing components in saliva. But there's also toxins as well. So I would encourage you to go lick yourself, right? Anybody ever prick your finger and lick it like that? I guess you had to be raising the... Anybody, okay, raise your hand. Y'all look at me like I'm crazy. All right, look around. There's, there's a bunch of people who've done it, right? And try to get it to stop and keep moving. Don't bite anyone either because there's a lot of infection in the teeth. So don't go through and just say, hey, which is just going to heal everything. Keep going to your doctors, okay? Keep going to pharmacy to get your medicine. But this was a belief in the time, and Jesus was showing... Very clearly, and the word rabbi here, all the translation shows, great one. The one actually, hey, great one, that's what they were referring. How, what happened with this man was he, that he was born blind. Who's getting punished? Because, obviously, that was another belief that if you're sinned, you're going to get punishment. Who do we think about in the Bible? Of a man who received, seemed like so much evil, and his friend said clearly, hey, you've committed sin, confess your sin to God, and God will get back and get you right with him. Who was that man? Job. 
And we know that God had a plan. God was working through all that evil and all that mess in Job's life to get that he might receive the glory and Job would actually see the light of day at the end of, the, of that dark, dark tunnel of his life. He made it through. And this blind man's been, he's been in the dark since birth. Where did he send him to? The Pool of Siloam, which in your Bible it translates, if you've got New King James, what's the name mean? It means sent. What did Jesus say to do? Go. And what did the man do? He went. What does Jesus tell us today for the Great Commission? Go, and if we are obedient, we will go. He went to the pool called Sent. He obeyed. The man obeyed and immediately received his sight. Praise God, he received his sight. It, this was a type of baptism, if you will. It wasn't just going to wash your face in a little handheld pool. This was a huge pool, as big as all the way to the back of the sanctuary here. It's a rectangular pool with a dividing wall, so it had five porticos. Critics even made fun of John that he couldn't count. It was, they said if it was a pool, it would be four-sided. And that he couldn't actually, John wouldn't have known in the Bible. The Bible is just a, 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 a kind of a mystic teaching itself that how do you have a five-sided pool? And they're, they're saying what they can look underground for now, it was actually a shape of a trapezoid. How many sides? Five, five, five. Five porticos. John was exactly right. He wasn't missing it at all. I just love it when God can just do that a little bit every once in a while. That's just because of my sin nature. It's not because of God. It's God, God loves people. He wants them to know the truth. This was a type of baptism, a type of cleansing. He went in, all in. It's jumping off the deep end, jumping off the diving board. Do you understand? This is what Christianity is today. When you believe the Lord Jesus Christ, either you're 100% in or you're not in. You can't say, oh, I'm going to tiptoe in. I, I like the when we dealt with the Chinese, they said, we, can we have the power of the Holy Spirit and not receive Jesus Christ and give up our, our, our teachings of our families? And the answer is absolutely not. You do it God's way, you get God's results. You do it your way, you're going to end up with your results. You can't have your way and God's way on the same platform. You must, you must receive the Lord Jesus Christ. The testament of the blind man who received his sight shocked his neighbors. They brought him to the Pharisees. They couldn't believe it either. Is this the man? No, he's not. Yes, it is. No, he's not. Listen, I gave him money every stinking day for 20 years. It's him. I know it's him. He says, it's me. Look what he says. He identifies himself how? I am he. Who do you identify with when he said that? Even in the words for us today. Who's the great I am? Jesus Christ. He wasn't saying he was God, but he said, I'm that man. I'm that man that was healed from my blindness. I'm that man who now went and washed. I'm that man who now received his sight. I'm that man. And now they said, well, you got to go tell the Pharisees. Let's go tell them. Because now there's a bigger stir that's happening, right? Pharisees are already upset and wounded over Jesus' teaching and miracles that's happened so far. Let's get back to the word, if we could, uh, for a moment. Let me um, jump in what the Pharisees do. The Pharisees, here's what we believe, right? The Pharisees, if, if it happened today and somebody says, this man was healed, we used to give him money, we used to see him beg, now he can see. Can you see my hands? How many fingers? How many fingers, right? People, all his friends, you can imagine, they're all testing him. Can you see this? Can you see that? What does the trees look like? What does the sun look like? They're probably asking a thousand questions. He never knew what any of that looked like until he received his sight. What I find amazing, he didn't even know what his parents looked like until this happened. He knew their voices, he knew about them, but he didn't know what they looked like. So we would say, what would happen? I said, praise God, when he obeyed God. But what did the Pharisees say? Praise God. There's obviously a miracle happening amongst us today. Brothers and sisters, we need to take time to pray and gather and praise the Lord. Is that what they did? 
Look at the word. They brought him, uh, verse 13, they brought him, uh, brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now it was on the Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. And by the way, I told you on the Sabbath, what, is the heal, what do they pray? Every Sabbath they would pray what? Finish it up with, Lord, heal us. Heal our nation. That was the prayer of the Jewish people on the Sabbath. Heal us, Lord. And when did Jesus do all of his miracles mostly? On the Sabbath. The very Lord they were calling on was doing the miracles on the Sabbath. And what was happening? People were being saved and people were being healed. The very requests that they were asking, the multitudes were asking, Heal us, Lord. And on the very day of rest, what was he doing? He was actually bringing about the answer to their prayer on the day that they prayed it. So these men were actually in the synagogue. The Pharisees were in the synagogue when they were finishing the Sabbath saying, Lord God, heal us and heal our nation. And Jesus is out there healing a blind man on the road, telling him to go wash and doing the very thing they're asking for. And yet what do they do? Rejoice. Be careful if you preach it, you teach it, you must live it. Amen? You, if you're going to talk the talk, guess what you've got to do, brothers and sisters? You've got to walk the walk because people are watching you. People know when you're fake. Let's continue. Verse 15. Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. He said to them, He put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? Because that was a teaching among them. If he's a sinner, you can't. God's not going to answer your prayers if you're a sinner. And there was a division among them. Jesus always divides. Remember that. He said, Well, I thought he's the Prince of Peace. Oh, he is to those who receive him. But you name the name of Jesus Christ, you drop Jesus' name in your family setting. You drop Jesus' name in your corporate setting. You drop Jesus in your administration or educational setting, and you're going to see people are going to run like oil and water. People are going to run to Jesus Christ. Say, Amen, brother. I'm right there with you. And you can have people go, hey, hey, let's just don't talk about Jesus' name. We'll talk about God, right? God's whoever you want it to be, whoever you want her to be, but don't talk about Jesus. Jesus always brings division. Amen? Y'all haven't been sharing your faith is why you don't see that, right? A lot of us are living our, our faith like, like a bunch of atheists. I, I don't want to say anything because I don't lose my job. I only got five more years, Pastor. I only got two more, two more years, Pastor. I, I want to finish my job. I want to own my retirement. You want your retirement more than you want heaven and your friends in heaven? Please, I beg you on the, on, on the mercies of God that you would share the gospel while you have opportunity in front of your friends and family and your coworkers. You might be the only voice to tell them about Jesus Christ. You might be the last, if you will, resort. Share the gospel every chance you get. Because they're hearing it from people like this. Well, I'm religious too. I don't believe all that nonsense that, that Jesus healed that blind man. I believe something happened. He just got, he hit his head or something. He was triggered and he could see, right? They'll make every excuse. 17, they said to the blind man again, What do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes. He said, He is a prophet. But the Jews, here's, my, I'll put this in my line, dot, dot, dot. The Jews what? What did your Bible say? They did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. This is a grown man. They're calling his mom and daddy in, right? And they asked them, saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? 
And his parents answered them and said, this is where most Americans are today. If this is not Americans today, God forbid, look. His parents answered and said to him, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but by what means he now sees, we do not know, or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him, he will speak for himself. Verse 22, here's, here's a, just a sorry commentary. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, that Jesus was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. They loved going to church more than they loved God himself. They loved the religious singing and the religious prayers. They loved the rituals. They loved the washing. They loved all the different things they had to do. They liked the burden of religion more than they loved the God who was sent to save them. God forbid, church, that you sit in church week after week after week after week, Christmas and Easter and other special occasions, funerals and weddings and anything else, and that you miss the God of our salvation. God forbid. It's happening every Sunday, almost in every church. Well, many times there's pastors who aren't preaching it today. We had this discussion this past week with pastors. They're not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're preaching something that makes you feel good. When you walk out those doors, you feel confident and say, wasn't it good to be in the house of the Lord today? And we walk out and we live the same way Monday through Saturday that we did on Sunday. Come back and do it all over again. We're like a pig in slop. We keep going back to the nasty dirt, right? Wash a pig every chance. We had pigs growing up. You wash a pig, they'll be nasty within five minutes, right? That's what we get. We get a pig washing every Sunday. There's people who don't belong to the Lord that sit here every Sunday in every church. There's pastors standing in the pulpit that have not given their heart and life to Jesus Christ. They want to give you a nice little homily today so that you feel good and walk out those doors and come back next week and make sure you give a little extra. That's true. That's, what these, that's how these men were. And even his parents, because this man wasn't a believer, and his parents obviously are not believers, but he has received his sight. Something's changed, something supernatural. The light of the world has encountered him, and his darkness has been interrupted. No longer can he walk around blind begging. His life has been interrupted by the light of God. And now he sees, he physically sees, but something's happened in his spirit. We're going to see what happened in his spirit. But his parents were afraid of the religious rulers. They wanted to keep their seat because they gave that donation to put a plaque on the pew. It says, the Smiths gave this pew, so therefore that's our pew. And if we get kicked out, they're going to take our plaque off the, off the pew or take our name off the roll, and we'll have to go meet somewhere under a tree. God forbid. Church, listen, listen. If we love stuff more than we love our Savior, there's something badly wrong with all of us, right? Would you agree? Look to your neighbor and say, there's something wrong with you. If you love stuff more than you love the Savior. Go ahead and tell your neighbor. Go ahead and tell him. So that way you can be a preacher for me. Look around. You can turn around and talk to each other. The ones that are asleep, just hit them real hard and wake them up. Y'all know if, I can, if you can see me, I can see your face, right? Whew. Lord have mercy. Stop being the parents of verse 22. Stop it. Receive the Lord Jesus Christ of the man who was born blind. At least he knew where he stood. Therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So they again, verse 24, so they again called the man who was blind and said to him, give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. I love this answer and this little sarcasm in the Bible. Here he is. He answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, though I was blind, now I see. Amen? 
Then he said to them, he couldn't stop there. Listen, he turned into a preacher. Then he turned in, he, he didn't just say what happened to him. He didn't say, I don't know him, like what happened to him. He turns back around and says, uh, then they said to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? This is three or four times, y'all. They keep, their unbelief is so deep, they cannot believe. They see the miracle with their own eyes, but yet they cannot believe with their spiritually blind heart. Verse 26, and they said to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Don't you love this sarcasm? Here comes the preacher. Then they reviled him. They called him names, obviously, and said, you are his disciple, but we are now, not Abraham's, who did they call? And now they're going to call him Moses, brother Moses, right? Uh, we then went from Abraham, that's our father, to we're a disciple of Moses. And we know that's a lie because they had their own traditions, and every rabbi was making up his own teachings. Right? They were following their own way of interpreting, if you will, the Bible. People are doing that today. Hey, I don't like that translation. I'm going to take something out. I'm going to follow this translation. And every preacher, even on Sunday mornings, there's a lot of preachers. When I grew up, King James Bible was the only Bible you could have. I went to Africa and like, wait a minute, what do you do here? And what do you do in China when we were there? Mandarin is not King James. Spanish is not King James. There is no way to make it. And every preacher that preached, my dad was a preacher who preached out of the King James, and he told me that's the only Bible there was. And he would say, take your Bibles and let's turn to He would read a passage and say, now let me tell you what it says. What did he just become? An interpreter of the Bible. And we as pastors usually aren't scholars when it comes to a Hebrew scholar or a Greek scholar. There'll be things you'll learn, but you have to learn from others. So don't get hung up on translations of the Bible. That's people who actually want to live a religious life that don't want to live a holy life, okay? Do you understand? Don't get caught up in fighting over the Word of God. Unless it's, <clears throat> there are some translations, if you have a new one, or if you get in the Bible, ask me. There are some new ones that are way out there calling God, God the parent. God forbid, He's our Father. That should have been a bigger amen than that. Thanks for five people that are saved. God is our Father, amen? amen. Let's continue to roar, because this is so important. I'll speed it up, because this man wants to speak. 29, they said, we're, 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 uh, we know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to him, why, this is a marvelous thing, that you do not know where he's from, yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know, that, I underline this in my Bible, now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. And if you put in your notes, I put in your notes the, the Amplified Version. And it says, according to your own traditions, that God didn't hear sinners. This is what y'all teach every Sunday, or every Sabbath, every Saturday. Y'all teach every week that God didn't hear sinners. So there is no way you could have done a miracle from God if he's a sinner. So your argument is false based on your own rules, based on the word of God. And what did they do? They should have said what? You know, brother, you're exactly right. We're hypocrites. Let's get out the Talmud. Let's see what the Word of God says. Let's get out the, the Torah, I mean. Let's get out the Word of God and see what it says. That, they didn't do that. Since the world began, it has never been unheard, it has been unheard that of anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. This is a new miracle. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Amen? They answered and said to him, 
you were completely born in sins, and are you teaching us? And they cast him out. The very thing his parents feared. Oh, Lord, we got kicked out of our seat. I'm never going to be able to go back into that. And a synagogue is just a meeting place. This isn't the temple. This is just a meeting place like us, like our place here. They got kicked out of the church. You got this fellowship with the, with the local synagogue 101 downtown, right? What's he going to do now? He had to be pondered, Lord. God, because he still talked to Jehovah. What's going on? I've been following these mugs for my whole life. I've been hearing them preach my whole life. I can't see them, but I've been hearing them preach my whole life that there was the Messiah was coming. I've been hearing every message. And you know, a blind person, their senses are heightened in hearing. They've been hearing everything that's been preached for year after year after year. Couldn't see, trusted the man. Oh, that's, uh, that's Pharisee so-and-so, and, and that's, that's Pharisee so-and-so. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's bringing back their own words because he's recorded them because he couldn't read them for himself. He had to listen and as they read them, and now he's asking them, listen, I've been listening to your tapes and CDs for doggone 20, 30 years, and now you're going to back up when God sends the Messiah, and you're going to deny the very thing that you've been teaching for all these years? That's where he's at. Now he's kicked out. Now he's on the street going, what just happened, right? He's maybe feeling a little cocky, excited. He's probably checking out all the, all the beautiful things that he's never seen before. And y'all, this is the beautiful thing about God. The Bible says there's no one who seeks after God. No, not one. So don't think you're going to wake up tomorrow and go seek God. Nobody seeks after Him. But God seeks after us, doesn't He? When we, if we're not Christians, you don't go seeking for God. You go seek for the next pleasure. But God, watch what He does. Jesus heard, verse 35, that they had cast Him out. And when He had found Him, and by the way, Jesus, if Jesus is looking for you, He's going to find you. Did you know that? Amen? And when He found Him, He said to Him, do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, praise God, because your eyes have been opened. You both see him, and it is he who is talking with you. Not only have you seen it, listen, he doubles down on the Pharaohs. Um, the Pharisees were saying it, right? They were talking a talk. They wouldn't walk in the walk. They were living in sin. But Jesus said, You both see him with your new eyes, and you both hear him with your ears. Ah. Do what I say I'm going to do. I do the works of God. Matter of fact, he even says this. Watch. Then they said. Then he said, "Lord, I believe." Y'all, that's as easy of salvation as you can see. It's so complicated. But when the Lord draws you to Himself, saying, "Listen, you need to be saved. You need to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ." You're the blind man. You're the blind woman today. You're the blind boy or girl. You need to be saved. God will draw you in all kind of ways to Himself. He'll pull you to Himself. Say, "Listen." Receive this as truth and receive the light of the world. Receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. This man was pulled toward you and says, do you believe? He says, who is he? He says, the one that's speaking to you and the one that you see. And the man says, I believe. I believe. Isn't that amazing? He couldn't help but believe. Here he is. He, I believe. Verse 38, then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. He worshiped him. That always goes together. Beliefs in Jesus Christ always equals worshiping the Jesus Christ. Finish. Jesus said, verse 39, For judgment I come into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees, they can't leave him alone. They can't leave just a synagogue. They follow him around. They're antagonists. This is what Satan does. He always wants a dog here. He always wants to go around and bite at you, little chihuahua bites. Because listen, God's a big dog on campus, just so you know. If you want to use that reference, right? 
Satan's that nippy little chihuahua. And then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? I can imagine pulling their cloaks. And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see, therefore your sin remains. Your sin remains. Y'all, if this is true, let's just say you're an unbeliever today, and we got a word, you say, Well, this is a cute story. But let's just go ahead and say, let's go ahead and play your game and say, This is a cute story. If Jesus Christ is who he said he was and is, and the Pharisees reject him due to their unbelief, and if there's a real place called heaven where Jesus said he ascended to, sitting at the right hand of the Father, and Jesus said he created hell for the devil and his angels, let's just pray for, play pretend for a second. Where is Jesus today? At heaven in the right hand of the Father. Where are these Pharisees today? In hell in a place of torment. Listen, you can play the game all you want to and think it's a story or think it's just a made-up story of the Bible, but I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, friends, people who are watching by YouTube or wherever else they may be watching, there is coming a day, it is appointed a man wants to die, and after that, the judgment. You will give an account for your life. We all will give an account for our life. If we receive Jesus Christ, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again and he's in heaven today making intercession for me. I believe that. I truly believe that. And if you believe that, maybe not in those words, you say, Lord, I, bl- I want to believe like this blind man. I'm blind. I'm in my sin. I want Jesus. He will come and forgive you just like that. And you have eternal life. That's what Jesus said, for God so loved the world. This is Jesus speaking. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have what? Everlasting life. That's a permanency of God. But yet, if you think you see today, you are blind just like these men and you remain in your sins and you will go to the same place as these men, you will never see them again because it's out of darkness. Go down and put your notes and look. If anyone fears God and does his will, God hears him, the Bible says. The Pharisees insulted the man and threw him out of the synagogue. Jesus sought after the man and invited him to believe in the Son of God. The man believed on Jesus and he worshipped him. And finally, this is in your notes. Jesus exposed the spiritual blindness of the pride of the Pharisees. He clearly told them because of their unbelief, their sin and guilt remain. Brothers and sisters, listen today. Friends, those who are watching, if you will not believe because of your unbelief, your sin and your guilt still remain and you will pay for them yourself. There has been a ticket paid, punched with your name on it, saying, Receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and you shall be saved. That's a promise from God. Just like this blind man was healed supernaturally, God saves you and me supernaturally. But if you refuse to, un- you refuse to uh, believe like these Pharisees, your unbelief takes over, you will face the same permanency they faced, a life forever separated from God. God forbid. I, I hate that for you if that's true. And I'm, that's why I try to preach as hard as I can and get the message across. It's because I love you, and I want you to go to heaven when you die. You are going to die, and you will spend eternity somewhere, either with God or away from God. There is no other option. You're not going to get reincarnated. You're not coming back again for another time because it's appointed to man. It's on God's calendar. There's a death day for all of us, and there's a judgment day for all of us. That's it. It's not a redo, 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 and maybe I'll get it right on the third time around. It's immediate. Immediate death. Absent from the body, present with the Lord, says about Christians. But also absent from this body, you're going to be waiting in a state of torment until the Lord pulls everyone out of the place of torment and casts them in one by one into the lake of fire. By the way, you will bow. The Bible says, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. 
Every name in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Every single person. You might be this hardcore, I don't believe nothing, pastors. I don't believe any of the Bible. I'm an atheist, whatever, fill in the blank. You can run your jabber all you want to, but I'm telling you, my friend, you will bow the knee one day, and you'll stand before holy God and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. And then he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you, you worker of iniquity, and cast you into the permanent lake of fire that lasts forever. Where the worm never dies, where the flame never dies, and you'll never see another person because it's pitch black. You say, well, how can that be? Take that up with God because I ain't going there and I don't know all the details. There's nothing to quench your thirst. Guys, we don't want our enemies to go to hell. If we only can catch that fire of God in our heart from the Holy Spirit, we'll avoid the fire of eternal life in hell. Not eternal death, eternal life in hell. Your body will never be destroyed. What a horrible place. These Pharisees, if they could come back today, they'd be the greatest evangelists we've ever seen because they would preach. Even like the rich man, go tell my brothers don't come to this place. And Jesus even said, Abraham even said, if they don't believe the prophets and all those went before them, they won't believe if a man comes back from the dead. God help your unbelief, my friend. Let's pray. Father God, as we have heard the message, what a heavy lift of just a man being healed of physical blindness. But Lord, he was not just healed of physical blindness, he was healed of his spiritual blindness. What a compare and contrast we have, Lord, of seeing the Pharisees who, who knew the word, they had it right there in their hands. They, they carried the scrolls, they opened the scrolls, and yet, Lord, they wanted to remain in their unbelief because they were too prideful. And they refused to give up their sin. And if I do this now, Lord, I have to admit that uh, I was wrong all these years. And Lord, how you could have used those men if they would have given their heart and life to Jesus Christ. I thank you for the testimony of this blind man, even though we don't know his name. Lord, I pray that he went and shared with his family, with his parents, and they too got kicked out of the synagogue for being religious because they chose the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we know we could be around the word our whole life and miss it. And I pray for anyone that's here, anyone watching by on their computer or tablet, wherever they might be watching, that, Lord, they would not miss it because there's a work that you want to do in our lives. Lord, move in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name for sake. Amen.